0: This is Buck's First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. It has been one year since the killing of George Floyd. We have a police officer who has been convicted of murder in that incident. And today the White House is meeting Joe Biden, the president of the United States, is meeting with the Floyd family. And we are told, and there are countless editorials, articles, commentaries, we're told that this is a moment that we're supposed to take a step back and think about how we could reform policing and the defund the police movement. We should consider that. That's where we are, right? We're one year into this. And the narrative at the left, the Democrats want you to believe, is that George Floyd's Uh, George Floyd's memory led to the BLM movement, which brought about greater justice. That's what they want you to think. That's the story. That's the dominant narrative that there's racist policing in America. We're in a systemically racist society. And the BLM movement is addressing that and has for the last year. And there are things to point to, to, to say we're successful in that regard. Unfortunately, The reality of the BLM movement and its usage of the George Floyd incident as an as an inciting moment to go for BLM 2.0 is that Black Lives Matter has made everything worse for everyone. Which I was saying almost exactly a year ago, just a few weeks from now, if you were to go back and listen to this show, that was my assessment then as the riots tore through cities As police were being assaulted and mobbed and pelted and ridiculed, spat on. This was going to be bad for America and it would be bad for the black and black, uh, black and brown communities. that we are told are the whole reason for the defund the police movement, right, that it would actually make things worse for everyone, including in, in predominantly minority areas of the country where there is a. Uh, A high crime where there is is sometimes a high crime rate. Right. That's what we are looking at right now. What has been the reality of the last year? And I have to point now as as we are in this. Martyrdom worship of of the Floyd memory, which is really what's going on here. They have elevated George Floyd as a symbol, a global symbol. In fact, this was a man who. Uh, yes, our our courts found was the victim of police, uh, police excessive force and murder. That is where the process stands right now. There was a murder conviction, as we know. There may be an appeal. We shall see. Uh, but that individual, George Floyd, was also somebody who pointed A loaded gun at the belly of a pregnant woman during a home invasion had a long criminal history and was someone used to resisting arrest. So that's not to say that what happened to him is in any way justified in that incident. But it is to say that picking this individual as a martyr for a movement is worthy of scrutiny. And I would say criticism. I would say, why is it that it is in these instances, these cases that we see, whether it's Mike Brown or George Floyd, uh, where law enforcement interaction with somebody who was engaged in criminal activity and then there is a dispute over the level of force used? That's always the choice. It's not incidents where there actually is what seems to be a a clear. uh, It's not always at least focused on incidents where there's a clear. Uh, murder by police which does happen although very very rarely which if we're going to have a serious and honest conversation about this you have to look at the numbers the facts the figures it is incredibly rare for anyone to be murdered by a police officer in this country there are and i'm i'm telling you the truth this is serious there are more people killed every year by uh bee stings Then there are people who are unarmed and murdered by police in an incident where the police officer is not using using force appropriately. I think there were unarmed black men in the last year for which we have statistics, which would be 2019 at this point. There were about nine or was it 14 that were killed that entire year by police in an incident that may still have been lawful. But you can't look at the numbers and come away from the saying anything other than why is so much exaggeration of this as a concern in society? Why is it that we can't just treat each of those individual cases as worthy of due process and legal system and let the facts bear out? And any officer who exceeds uh, exceeds the lawful use of force should be held to full account. No, it's a narrative. You see, the narrative is that cops are racist. Cops are bad. And if only we would defund police, we would have a better society, a better country. That's madness. And we now see what's going on as a result of it all across the country. A a really powerful editorial in the Wall Street Journal today from Heather McDonald, author of The War on Cops. And she writes that 19 children in Minneapolis have been shot this year remember Minneapolis is where the George Floyd incident happened an increase of 171 percent over the same period in 2020 their relatives wonder where the protesters are quote why ain't nobody mad about a 10 year old my grandson fighting for his life asked Sherry Jennings Ladavian's grandmother at a May 17th mayoral event because a cop didn't shoot him is that why Ms. Jennings warned of a deadly summer for kids if the mayor and the police chief, police chief don't step up. Later that day, Ania Allen, six, was caught in a shootout between rival gangs while in her mother's car. Ania died on May 19th. Minneapolis homicides, Heather McDonald writes, between January 1st and last week were up 108 percent with the same period in 2020. Shootings were up 153 percent and carjackings 222%. The crime increase began after Floyd's death and has never let up, nor has the assault on law enforcement that began with the arson destruction of the 3rd Precinct building on May 28, 2020. Officers are routinely punched, kicked, and hit with projectiles. There was a near riot in downtown Minneapolis in the early hours of May 22nd following a shootout among club patrons. Two people were killed in that shootout and eight wounded. Responding officers called for backup across the Twin Cities at what the department called an exceptionally chaotic scene. The previous weekend, officers were maced and pelted with rocks and debris while trying to disperse orderly crowds. So there was a movement for justice that started in Minneapolis a year ago today. Has it achieved any justice? Has it done anything to the system? George Floyd had a trial or there was a trial because of the killing of George Floyd, the officer was found guilty of his murder on all counts. That was what happened. Why did we need riots? Why did we need mass destruction of property, arson, and violence across the country as part of a movement? What did the movement achieve? Well, we're seeing what the movement achieved is more dead people, more people raped, more people assaulted. This is just based on the data and numbers all across the country. And the Democrats used this for mobilization in an election year. The Democrats used this entire incident for the purposes of trying to win power and it worked. All the pandering, all the all the nonsense from people like Pelosi. Oh yeah, sure. She's really all about the struggle. She really cares a lot about what's going on in minority communities. No one believes that. All the pandering about how cops are bad, cops are evil. Senior Democrats all across their apparatus, they don't actually think that stuff is true, but they say it. Why? Because it helps mobilize the Democrat base, activists, and left-wing voters. That there were people who suffered as a result, innocent people all across the country, doesn't matter. That good cops, which people like Joe Biden will say in passing, you know, most of our cops are good. That good cops were defamed with all of this and assaulted and attacked and undermined in their jobs never enters into the calculations of the left. They don't care. They simply don't care. What you see all across the country is. What exact, what happened the last time after the Ferguson effect which was coined by Heather McDonald as a phrase and who wrote this excellent piece in the Wall Street Journal There's more violence, more death, more despair and it is disproportionately in minority communities. And that is what has happened as a result of this movement. So as we sit here on the 1 year anniversary of George Floyd and you've a bunch of frauds and liars the activists claiming that this led to a movement that did anything other than make things worse. I just want you to know right away, they're lying to you. They are lying. Here's what Heather writes. As lawless as Minneapolis has become, it is hardly atypical. A drive-by shooting or drive-by shootings and homicides jumped nationwide during and after the Floyd riots. Homicides rose 50% in Chicago in 2020, 46% in New York city and 38 percent in los angeles the u.s saw the saw the largest annual percentage increase in homicides in recorded history in 2020 that increase has continued in 2021 the number of shooting victims in chicago is up 43 percent in the first three months of 2021 compared with the same period in 2020 through may 16th the number of shooting victims in new york city is up 78.6 percent over a year ago In the Bronx, the number is up 165.7%. We are at the one-year mark of George Floyd's killing and the movement that it spawned. And we look at that movement, and the data is clear. It is a disaster built on misrepresentations and lies. What does the White House, what do the Democrats offer as the reason? Behind the huge spike, I mean, no one can hide this data anymore. They can't argue about it. nationwide, what caused the nationwide increase in violence, in homicides, home invasions, armed robberies, rapes. Well, what caused all of that? oh they'll 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 come up with something, I'm sure. And Gensaki, among the most obviously inept members of this Biden White House. Uh, This is her explanation, the White House press secretary, for what caused the rise in crime. Play two.
1: Is there a crime problem
2: in this country? Well, I would say certainly there is a guns problem, uh, and that's something the president would say. And there are communities where uh, local violence and community violence is an issue, and that's one of the reasons that we have proposed and have now are implementing funding for community violence prevention programs across the country. I will say um, that we don't often highlight, and you just gave me the opportunity to, the fact that Between mass shootings, mass shootings that get a lot of attention, that we lower the flags, there are hundreds, thousands of people who lose their lives. And that's one of the reasons the president will continue to advocate for the Senate passing uh, back universal background checks, but also advocate for actions in states where we have seen uh, the greatest level of activism over the past several years.
0: Community violence prevention. She sounds like a moron. Well, there's a reason for that. This is blather. This is the White House press secretary saying that there's not a there's not a crime problem. There's a gun problem. No, there's a crime problem. A lot of the crimes, Saki, don't even involve guns. There is a crime problem in this country right now. It is all heading in the wrong direction. And the reason for that is Democrat pandering. It's Democrat pandering to victimology, identity politics, anti-cop animus. That's why this is happening. We know why it's happening, but they won't say it. No, they'd, they'd rather live in this fantasy land of if only we had more social workers, if only community violence was addressed differently. I got news for Saki and all the rest of the lunatic libs. Violence that occurs in the context of crimes, it's not, a, it's not a problem of the community. It's a problem for the community, as in it is done to people who aren't committing crimes, but there's no no sympathy expressed here. There's no desire for immediate change, and that would mean change in policy, to make the over 99% of people who live in even the most high-crime neighborhoods who aren't engaged in violence against the innocent There's there's no uh, consideration given for their plight. No, more important. to Let's just paint some George Floyd murals in places. Put up some BLM hashtags. Put up some BLM black squares on our Instagrams or whatever. Let's do some virtue signaling. Let's put let's put Black Lives Matter flags at U.S. embassies. I saw that report from uh, what was it? uh, The National Pulse. Right. Let's. Let's tell the whole world that BLM is a movement that the United States government stands by. It's just propaganda. That's what really is going on with the government. They won't address the real problem here, which is that they're undermining law enforcement because there is a narrative that is very apparent on the left. I mean, you see and hear it all the time that America is a systemically racist country, that our our police are, in fact, just the continuation of slave patrols this is what is said that the historical precursor for uh, for police today this is written by the New York Times is is slave patrols from the antebellum era it's a lie it's historically ignorant but they still say this right what do we want dead cops that was a chant that I heard pigs in a blanket fry them like uh, bacon that was a chant that I heard from BLM protesters And I've seen the posters, the placards that they hold up at these at these uh, protests. And I'm not even talking about the riots. There is no honesty. The lib elites are total frauds on this issue. They know they know that that making it harder for cops to do their job, making sure that people aren't signing up to be cops, that the Ferguson effect of law enforcement officers unwilling to get involved To intervene because they don't want to risk their livelihoods and their freedom, perhaps, means that innocent good people all across the country, black, brown, white, everybody, innocent people all across the country suffer as a result of this lie. We saw this all last year. It's appalling that there was such an unwillingness. People were running scared from the notion that uh, BLM wasn't actually working out well, that defund the police. Is the dumbest slogan of any political movement in modern American history, okay? I, I, I can't think of anything as stupid in my lifetime as defund the police. But this is said by people who think that they're astute, think that they're wise on this issue, really? What would happen if we really defunded police? Oh, well, then they get into it. We don't really know what defund means yet. We're still figuring it out. Well, while they're figuring it out, Kids are catching stray bullets while they're figuring it out. Places like Chicago and Memphis and New Orleans and New York and Los Angeles are having violence at unforeseen levels in decades. And or uh, rather unseen in decades. And what do we what do they say in response to it? Let's just make some more George Floyd murals. That's going to solve the problem. Let's have some more professional athletes take a knee for George Floyd. That will solve the problem. When running a business, HR issues can kill you. you got wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations. An HR manager's salaries are not cheap, an average of $70,000 a year. That's why you need Bambi. Bambi, spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small business. It gives you a dedicated HR manager who can craft HR policy, maintain your compliance, all for just ninety nine dollars a month. I mean, when you look at some of the customer testimonials for Bambi, uh, it just becomes so clear what an enormous advantage this becomes for you and your business. Here's one, quote, "Andrea from Bambi, HR has been our guardian angel. She's always there to answer any questions or concerns when it comes to anything HR related. She's helped me navigate how to best handle COVID-19 situations within the company, as well as any new policies, job descriptions or compliance issues we may have. I would recommend Bambi to any small business who is lacking in the H.R. area. Here's another one. Quote, Patrice has been a great resource for our growing team. She's a source of calm when everything else around us is fast paced and hectic. I'm grateful for her guidance and direction. She helps keep me grounded and gives me great confidence that every HR decision we make is not only compliant, but best practice. End quote. Those are real Bambi customers. All right. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager will be available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding determinations, they customize your policies to fit your business. And they do this all for just $99 a month. Think about it, $99 a month. No hidden fees. Cancel anytime. Go to Bambi.com slash buck right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash buck. Bambi.com slash buck for your free HR audit. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance. Get Bambi.com today we keep getting told by the media when we push back on some of this stuff it's not about hating cops we're not saying that the cops are the problem but that is what they're saying this is just gaslighting that's what the blm movement claims that is its central premise that law enforcement is racist that people have to be scared if they are black or brown because of law enforcement this is not rooted in fact. it's not rooted in reason. It's an exaggeration of what is what are outlier events with the millions and millions of of police law uh, police civilian interactions that are happening every year. but get rid of qualified immunity. this is what we're you know because because I actually do want to focus on okay, what does the BLM movement want? A lot of this is just people that are looking for a cause you know everything you've got you know white liberal 19 year old girls driving around in you know daddy's range rover who are all BLM and you know marching over there they're a joke I know people like this you've got 30 year old trust fund kids living in Connecticut who are putting BLM on their Instagram page or BLM on their Facebook it's virtue signaling it's it's cool it's a social we see that that's obvious right this is unfortunately a very effective tactic of the modern left that they just create because they control so many of the institutions of our culture cheap virtue out there for anyone all you have to do is go along all you have to do is be a mouthpiece for whatever the preferred slogan of the moment may be and and you're showing everybody you're one of the good people cost you nothing you do nothing okay so that's obvious right we know that That, you know, college students or people in their 20s and 30s, Gen Z, millennials who risk nothing and do nothing and live in safe neighborhoods and put out on social media how much they care about BLM and George Floyd. And in memory of George Floyd, we know they're a joke. They don't care. They don't deal with the reality. This is all about them. This is all self-indulgence under the cover of altruism, but it's self-indulgence. So let's look at what the actual policies are. Let, let's look at what people who are involved in the movement are, are actually saying should happen here. Here's Floyd family attorney Chris Stewart on qualified immunity. Play 23.
3: This is a phenomenal bill. Anybody that knows about policing, about civil rights, about how these actually work in court, they know that qualified immunity Uh, Getting rid of that is not going to make a bunch of lawyers like myself sue more cops. It's not. It's ridiculous. Um, Because what really happens is in these cases in court, cities toss the officers away. So they don't have any coverage anyway. So it's not going to make lawyers go out and sue more cops. Um, It's semantics. It's because some people are just saying, I don't want to look like I'm allowing cops to be sued. When in reality, it's not going to affect it at all of getting more officers sued so getting rid of it will change the mentality of policing it makes an officer know i can't go out there and do whatever i want um which is all the change that needs to happen so getting rid of it has to happen it's not going to hurt police officers that's semantics
0: oh sure sure it's semantics this is not true what he's saying is, yeah, sure the law would then make it so that you could sue a cop personally for doing his job at any point in time. But that's not going to result in a whole bunch of lawyers suing cops unnecessarily unfairly. I mean, this is honestly this this guy is he's a, this is a joke. This is a joke. Um qualify why does qualified immunity exist if it does not grant qualified immunity to the officers the law is the law but what he's saying is well sometimes they'll say that you went outside the scope of your employment and that you know you because of your misconduct yeah that's because they've decided that there are limitations to qualified immunity but the baseline standard is you can't just sue a cop directly for doing his job as a person in the course of his duties. There's a reason this exists. It creates an additional barrier to frivolous BS. But notice he says, yeah, it's just going to create a difference in perception in law enforcement. Oh, sure. This is the Floyd family attorney. So take, you know, you you know what's going on here. Sure. Now cops will say, I'm not going to use excessive force and murder somebody because I don't have qualified immunity anymore. So. Yeah, that's that's really going to change the thought process. This is just stupid. I mean, this is a stupid comment from a lawyer who's not very good at the law, but good at getting people upset, good at the narrative, good at making it seem like there's some intellectual merit to to any any of these um, defund the police storylines or these ideas that we're going to make everything better by getting rid of qualified immunity it's stunning as this continues to play out that there's so little honesty in the press about this but that's where we are as a country as a society and people suffer as a result this is not just something that's uh, rhetorical this is not just some intellectual argument there's been a huge surge in crime in america and it started right when the blm movement got going Right when the winds of political change came through police precincts all across the country, as in the Democrats are ascendant, they're calling the shots and they're going to feed you to the mob. The moment that it is inconvenient for them to defend you as a law enforcement officer, that's what happened. They say, oh, it's the pandemic that caused the surge in violence. Mm, No, that doesn't stand up to a moment's scrutiny. The numbers all start to change dramatically. Right around now, a year ago, it was the ascendancy of the BLM movement and the narrative of BLM that led to the change in policing that led to the huge increase in murders, shootings. Remember, for every person who's shot, there's a family that's devastated. There's a community that's devastated. There's a neighborhood that's terrified. Every time that happens, there's a person who loses his or her life. And then there's also all the other victims, all the other people that have that loss. So when you're talking about thousands of additional homicides compared to what would have been a normal year in America, that's tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people directly affected and connected to that that incident of violence. So the second order effects are much greater. And that's or or much broader. And that's something that you have to remember. So. The other part of this, and Heather McDonald actually points this out in her excellent Wall Street Journal piece, is that no other country in the world saw a huge surge in violence. No other industrialized nation saw a huge surge in violence because of the pandemic. In fact, if you just think about this for a second, it should be what you saw in Canada and the UK and relative to their normal crime rates. Big drops in crime. Far fewer people interacting with each other, far fewer people on the streets, more people at home. Right. And so, yeah, there can be home invasions, but that's a that's a riskier proposition for criminals, especially in countries where anybody may be armed. Right. There's there's a whole you know, less less drug dealing disputes going on, all of that, because you have people interacting with each other less people are locked at home. But the numbers, the data, the facts, they don't that don't matter in all this. There's a storyline. The Democrats stick to it. The Democrats are the party of elevating victims. The Democrats are the party of helping the oppressed. The fact that they are creating more victims by adhering to this false narrative doesn't matter to them. That's just the cost of Democrats doing business. That's just what we see happening. Um, And pretending that police retraining or federal government oversight of police stations looking for racism in every police department that comes up on their radar that that's going to make anything better for anybody is a fantasy. We know it is absurd. But people are scared of being called racist. They are scared of falling on the wrong side of BLM. And so, so many out of either just self-advancement or cowardice bend a knee at the altar of St. George Floyd. Look, George Floyd was somebody who suffered from police excessive force, and an officer is now going to spend decades of his life in prison for that. I also know that there's plenty of plenty of real legal analysis out there that George Floyd, uh, the George Floyd case against Derek Chauvin, the, the incident of George Floyd's killing, his his murder, uh, is going to be appealed, and that we will see what ends up happening. But as of right now, we have a police officer convicted of murder, and that is the the, the system has spoken, yet look at all the rest of what has happened from BLM. What has the movement actually done? All right, there was a trial, and if you believe that George Floyd was murdered, there was justice, at least as much justice as our system can give anyone. What then for all the rest of it? Heather McDonald. I'll just give you a little more from her Wall Street Journal piece here. Of the 100 homicide victims in Minneapolis since May 25th, 2020, only one was killed by a cop. The victim was a suspected gun runner who had tried to run over officers before shooting at them through his car window, causing them to return fire. There is little evidence that the Minneapolis Police Department systemically violates black civil rights. But Attorney General Merrick Garland has opened a civil rights investigation into the Minneapolis Police Department anyway. If history is any guide, the resulting dissent uh, dissent uh, decree will cause crime to increase in the city as officers back off further proactive policing. The victims of that additional crime increase will, as always, be disproportionately black. At least three quarters of Minneapolis's homicide and shooting victims are black, though the city is less than a fifth black. Sharpton and Crump have no answers to that dilemma, so they ignore it. The reality is of blm policing in america and the epidemic of violence that we are seeing
1: governor hi uh, i want to ask you about the bill that you're signing here today um uh you're a loyal supporter former president donald trump uh, first, uh donald trump is now a resident in florida and he was deplatformed is this bill for him
4: the bill is for everyday Floridians, as is what we said, um, and it would allow any Floridian to be able to um, to provide uh, what, what they're doing. So um, but I think I mean, I do think that's another issue that that has been brought to bear when you deplatform the president of the United States. But you let Ayatollah Khomeini talk about killing Jews. That is wrong.
0: Ron DeSantis, just just racking up those wins down in Florida, the governor of Florida. He's he's not tired of winning. He's not tired of winning. And I think we all need to understand that this is a guy who's showing us what can be done at the state level. He signed a bill prohibiting tech platforms from suspending or banning political candidates in the state with possible fines of up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars per day. If the candidate is seeking statewide office, twenty five thousand dollars per day if the candidate is seeking a non-statewide office. This I mean, this is so important to understand the the implications of this. We already have all kinds of restrictions on the First Amendment that Democrats love. They want restrictions on money in politics. They want restrictions on it it was the it was the position of the Obama administration in Citizens United at the Supreme Court. The solicitor general for the Obama administration wanted the right to be able to ban books about political candidates before an election. That was the official position of the Democrat Party under Barack Obama's time in office. Citizens United, all the dark money in politics. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Absurd. I work in radio. There are all kinds of restrictions on radio. You know, the FCC, what I can say, who I can talk to, equal time. There's all kinds of things there that uh, that are already regulated but see the democrats want no regulation no touch allowed on the shoulder of big tech because big tech is almost entirely a left wing pack that's what we know that's what we see happening all the time and they don't want that to change They don't want that to be any different because it is an enormous advantage for them. Um, And look what they've been able to do. Meanwhile, you've got, you know, Joe Scarborough, whose ratings are down on that show. He's just not a very smart or good or ethical person. That's very apparent from what he says and does on TV all the time. Um, But he, he also doesn't understand the law or the Constitution. But this is the kind of crap you'll hear from leftists or whatever, whatever. Scarborough is a whatever. Whatever my paymasters at MSNBC, whatever whatever coins they throw at me, that's what he'll do. And whatever they tell him to do, that's what he'll say. Play 19. That's what's so uh, cute about uh, (laughs) this political stunt, this political gesture. First of all, it's most likely unconstitutional. It violates the, the First Amendment and how a private company chooses to moderate content on their platform. Uh, But but secondly, the hypocrisy of people like Ron DeSantis and Josh Hawley uh, saying they're small government conservatives who believe in free market and free enterprise and believe in the power of companies to run things the way they want to run, deciding they are going to be uh, use the power of the state to tell Facebook or to tell Twitter. Uh, how to run their First Amendment policies? It's just uh, that's a bizarre thing for a small, uh, an alleged small government Republican to do. You know, yeah, we're just we're all of a sudden he's a market absolutist. You know, yeah, the free market they should do whatever they want. First Amendment rights, yeah, yeah, sure. Oh, okay, he's on a cable channel. There's all kinds of regulations out there about what you can do, indecency. There are all kinds of restrictions on on, on um, transparency and political advertising. I mean, to say, just the First Amendment means when, when it comes to Facebook and Twitter, for obvious reasons, the left takes the position they can do whatever they want. They can do anything they want. No regulation. Oh, okay. So these those are the companies that have no regulation all of a sudden, according to the left which Joe Scarborough is a part of. I mean, he's just a paid hack. will do whatever they want him to do. And this is so interesting. But It's like I always tell you, it's just about power. There's no principle behind any of this. They'll say whatever they have to say to get what they want. That's the attitude of the left. That's the attitude of social justice warriors. That's the attitude of the commies that are increasingly obviously ascendant in American public and private life. We have people that, want totalitarian left wing control of the government, they think that would be a better thing. I'm not saying that we're there and that's what the country is in, but that's what they desire. And whatever they have to say to push in that direction, they will say. And people like Joe Scarborough will say it, too, because, you know, they're paying him.
2: We don't have enough data and information to jump to a conclusion at this point in time. We have repeatedly called for the WHO to to support an expert-driven evaluation of the pandemic's origins that is free from interference or politicization. Uh, And now we're hopeful that uh, WHO can move into a more transparent, independent, phase two investigation. I would say uh, in terms of the report, which was specifically about individuals being hospitalized, we have no means of confirming that or denying that. I mean, it's not a report from the United States. I
4: think the
0: journalist cited a U.S. intelligence report, so that would have been a U.S. report.
2: Well, I don't have any, I don't have anything more on a U.S. intelligence report.
0: Now, all of a sudden, it's not clear. Now, all of a sudden, it's not obvious that The Wuhan coronavirus came from, oh, you know, a a cave somewhere. Now, all of a sudden, it may it may, in fact, be the case that those who were saying all along that this could have been the result of an error in a lab that was studying it. That's not crazy. Gosh, I know this is not surprising to you and me, but it is interesting, isn't it? How how much changes and how much they the the consensus Fauci left, how much they've gotten wrong over and over again. Here's the former secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, on this play 20.
3: Someone, some, somebody will have worked in that laboratory and will decide they can sneak out of China. They'll come tell the truth. I'm convinced. But sadly, I don't think that'll happen in a timely fashion. And so what, what can the world do? How can we hold China accountable? There are many fora that we could do this in. One, wh- why on earth would you rejoin the World Health Organization, which rewards the Chinese for the exact partner that they joined in the cover up with? Right? It was Dr. Tedros and Xi Jinping that colluded to keep this information out of the hands of the world. And so there are many things the United state's government could do to impose real cost on the Chinese Communist Party until they come clean about what they know and what they did. We know for sure they covered up this virus. I am confident that we will find that the evidence that we have seen to date is consistent with a lab leak. And I'm convinced that's what we'll see. If I'm wrong, I hope the Chinese Communist Party will come forward and make a fool of.
0: They're going to hold back data. They're never going to give us full transparency. We all know that. China won't even allow its own people basic freedoms. You think that they're really going to respond to a good faith, uh, a good faith ask for data and information from the World Health Organization or the U.S. for that matter. Now, I think that Mike Pompeo, I will tell you, is overstating the leverage that the U.S. has to get answers here. The reality is that there is nothing that we are going to do. There's nothing we can do to force China to tell us things that would lead us to believe that they were that the Chinese Communist Party, uh, that, that the regime uh, was reckless in the uh, in the original or in the outbreak of covid-19 and covered it up. That, that effectively their negligence caused a global pandemic that has killed millions of people and cost trillions of dollars. They're they're never going to admit that they're never going to give us the data to prove that or see that. They will always, always, always tell us that this was from bats or we don't know or, you know, whatever it was. That's the way this will go. So I think that we need to understand that. Yes, it, it is worth pressuring China on this, but, the, you know, there's only so much you can do for a situation like this where China views this as not existential for its future, but certainly a high enough priority to cover this up that nobody is going to get them to, to, to do anything on this that they don't want to do. That's I, I think that much of it is is obvious at this point. Um, but I remember when this was for conspiracy theorists and all the different news stories and all the people who were so quick to either fake certainty or to just lie about this. You know, who's, who's been pretty good? On it, I got to say uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. Once again, DeSantis, he's not tired of winning. Play twenty two.
4: Now we have information that this very well may have emanated from the Wuhan lab, that it was, a, it was a leak from the lab. But you remember when people last year were raising that as something that needed to be investigated, they were deplatformed for talking about uh, the lab leak. They were censored for having said that. And now even Fauci admits that this may be something that very well um, is the case. Are they going to now censor Fauci and pull him down off social media?
0: That's one of the things that I will not forgive or forget. That big tech shut down people for for wrong think, but they said it was for you know factual inaccuracies. They brought these little these little idiot. Censor stormtroopers, oh, the fact checkers from places like Politifact—an embarrassment of an organization—and Politifact, Media Matters. These are places where only the the lamest, slimiest human beings would ever want to spend time or draw a paycheck. But that's that's what ended up happening. They outsourced their censorship to these so-called fact checkers, and that was it, right? If you were on the wrong side of them, sorry. The fact checkers have spoken. That's the way that went. And now they're wrong. We see they're wrong on a lot of things. They weren't actually facts. They were just opinions with the veneer of scientific consensus. And that was all that was necessary to push the whole thing through. And to shut you down, to shut me down. I, I still have it. I still have PolitiFact writing an article. Oh, outdoor. I said outdoor masking is stupid. Yeah, it is stupid. I was right. You know, it looks like the CDC. I saw some uh, rumor reporting that the CDC may change its outdoor mask guidance for kids at summer camps because it is so stupid and so unscientific and so idiotic on every level that the CDC is emb- embarrassed enough to reconsider its position on that but going back to the COVID origins fight because as you know that's getting a lot of attention this week and we talked about it uh, in detail yesterday on the show what is the preferred uh, the preferred rationale now for why they all turned on the lab leak theory and believed the came from a cave theory or the wet market right came from the wet market uh if that were the case why weren't all the cases that they initially established having some connection to that wet market? They, they didn't. Some of them had no connection. That doesn't make sense. Ah, but Maggie Haberman, Democrat at the Democrat New York Times, wants you to know that it's really Trump's fault. Play 11.
1: I do think it's important to remember that part of the issue when this was first being reported on and discussed back a few months after the pandemic had begun was that then President Trump and Mike Pompeo, uh, the uh, secretary of state, both suggested they had seen evidence that this was formed in a lab and they also suggested it was not released on purpose, but they refused to release the evidence showing what it was. And so because of that, that made this instantly political. I think that it was, you know, example 1000 when the Trump administration learned that when you have burned your own credibility over and over again, people are not immediately going to believe you, especially in an election year. However, that does not mean it's not worth discussing. There has been a sort of persistent, albeit relatively quiet, focus on whether that was the origin of the virus. And it is compounded by the fact that uh, there have not been clear answers from Chinese officials about it and that investigators trying to find out the origin have been stymied. So I do think we're in a different period of this, John. But I also think it's important to remember, because I think it's getting re- Framed in a way that's just not true to what happened. I don't mean here. I right. mean in this, this broader debate by Trump supporters about what happened when this was originally raised.
0: Okay, let's let's unpack this for a second. Maggie Haberman, in in convincing and and pretty uh, you know pretty fluid fashion, here is really just making the case for yeah, we got it wrong. The media got this wrong by and large, but we had to get it wrong because Trump's such a liar that the fact that Trump said that it came from a lab justified us going against him. Which was the media's attitude about everything. If Trump said it, it must be wrong. But they believe that that's actually a sound rationale. They believe that's actually a reasonable justification for being wrong. If Trump said it, it has to be incorrect. Doesn't that tell you a lot about Where they really were on this. Doesn't that tell you a lot about what the media? Well, you already know this. I mean, the media was psychotically opposed to Donald Trump. But even on something where there were other voices all along, there were experts who were saying, no, this actually looked like it probably came from a lab. Uh, They insisted on opposing that theory and discrediting. not, Not just saying we don't think this is right. It's a conspiracy theory. You're a kook. You're a nut. Don't believe it. They insisted on that because it was politically expedient. This is just another data point to show you why you cannot trust the corporate media. You cannot trust them. They are not about honesty and truth and transparency. They are propagandists. They are pushing a narrative and they are seeking power for their side. The most important thing, this is if you read between the lines, what you are being told here, even by a celebrated New York Times journo, The most important thing here was opposing what Donald Trump said at the time, not getting it right. Because in an election year, having Trump look like one, he's correct, but also pointing to China as the origin of this, a country that Donald Trump was much more willing to confront and deal with in a forceful way than his predecessors of either party. That wasn't a narrative they wanted to tell. It was Trump's a buffoon, he's an idiot, he can't even, he's making up things. Oh, he's making up things about the origins of the virus like he makes up the injecting bleach into his veins. You know, these other stupid things you hear from the journos all the time. And so they got this wrong. But they're not remorseful about getting it wrong. They just wish they hadn't gotten so blatantly caught. Because what was important to get this right, to understand the truth of this virus early on? Because you can't stop the next pandemic, really, if you don't know how this one started, right? That didn't matter as much. Bash Trump. That was always on everything. That was mission number one for the journos. Don't ever forget it.